Welcome to the MPC Podcast. I am Tim W. Gill, pastor of Medora Pentecostal Church, and I'm thrilled that you've joined us today. Here at MPC, we are committed to bringing hope and building lives. One way we do that is through this podcast. Thank you for listening, for sharing and reviewing what we do here. It is our desire to connect with you, and you can find us on Facebook, or you can find us at our website, medorachurch.com. It is our prayer that today's message inspires you, encourages you, and that the kingdom of God is advanced in your life. Let's get right to the word of the Lord today. My text tonight is a question, are you ready? Are you ready? I think if we take time to pause and look around at what's happening in our world, it ought to be not only an exciting time, but it ought to be a fearful time as far as this world is concerned and humanity is concerned. I was thinking today when I was just a young and a kid, I don't remember exactly, maybe, I don't know if I was even a teenager yet, but I do remember my brother planning on going to town and I talked him into taking me somehow. I don't remember how all that took place, but anyway, I know I went. And I don't even know how we got there. We didn't own an automobile or a truck, uh, so probably rode, rode on a tractor. I don't know. But uh, anyway, that day we got there, and he had some business to take care of, and ha- I had a dime or something like that, so I went to the show, movie house, and uh, watched some kind of movie. And when I got out, my brother was supposed to waited for me, or I thought he did, was. When I got out, I remember he was nowhere to be seen. He had gone back home. And here I am, four miles from home, got to walk home. Part of the way is gravel. The rest of the way, half of it's just a dirt road that led to where we lived. But a lot of things I don't remember about it, but there's one thing that I do remember about it, and that was how scared I felt that my brother had gone off and left me. Gone off and left me. He didn't. He was in church, so he he wouldn't go to that show anyway. But uh, just the feeling I had that I can so... I can so distinctly remember that, walking home that night. It was dark, and uh, I can just imagine there was bears and lions and tigers out there in those fields right beside that dirt road. And so I was scared. And when I saw the lights of home, I was happy. When I made it home, I was happier. But 
the reason I bring that silly story in is it's going to happen one day. It's going to happen one day. People are going to wake up and something's going to be missing. People are going to be missing. I plan to be missing. I got to be missing. Amen. But let me share with you some thoughts tonight, some scriptures tonight relative to our study about are you ready? Are you ready for the Lord to come? I know sometimes, especially those of us that's been in a church for a while, we can have a tendency to become nonchalant-like when it comes to coming to church. It becomes a process, a system, something we just do by... That's what we've been doing. So we just do that. And it loses its significance. It loses its importance. Right. Or at least it obviously does to some. Yeah. But uh, God help us. Because when he comes, he's coming. Yes, he when the trumpet sounds, yes, he's here. Amen. <laughs> and there'll be no privilege or opportunity of getting ready. We've got to be ready. I'm going to share with you the scriptures, a lot of reading here to begin with, but to get into what I'd like to share with you. First from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 13, the last few verses of this chapter, begin with verse 32. Jesus, listen to the scripture. Jesus said, But of that day and that hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels which are in heaven, neither the Son, but the Father. Take ye heed, watch, and pray, for you know not when the time is. For the Son of Man is as a man taking a far journey who left his house, gave authority to his servants, to every man his work, and commanded the porter to watch. Watch ye therefore, for you know not when the master of the house cometh at even or at midnight or at the cock crowing or in the morning lest coming suddenly he find you sleeping. And what I say unto you, I say unto all, watch, watch. God, help us to open our eyes. Help us to open our eyes. Matthew, the familiar passage in chapter 24 of Matthew, verse 38, beginning, for as it was in, for as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying, giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and knew not, and knew not until the flood came. This is an interesting phrase in that verse, that passage of scripture, because we know Peter said Noah was a preacher of righteousness. And if it did take him 120 years, can you imagine how many times he preached on the coming flood? And yet the Bible says they knew not. It wasn't that they had, that they heard not. It's that they hid, did not receive, and didn't knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Then two shall be in the field. Then shall two be in the field. The one shall be taken, the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the meal. The one shall be taken, the other left. Watch, watch therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord doth come. Amen. But know this, 
that if the goodman of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would, have not, would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore, be you also ready, for in such an hour as you think not, the Son of Man cometh. And then in Peter, 2 Peter 3, verse 10, beginning, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up, seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved. What manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Another passage, Hebrews 9, 27, 28. As it is appointed to men once to die, but after this the judgment. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. The question that was foremost in the mind of the apostles when they heard Jesus talk about uh, the temple, that beautiful temple that they were proud of, and he let them know, he said, it's going to come a time when there's not going to be one stone left upon another. And they were greatly disturbed and concerned, and probably the most important questions in their mind at that time, as Matthew records in chapter 24 and verse 3, as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately saying, tell us, when shall these things be? What shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? These are questions we cannot answer and questions that he did not answer. But they are foremost in our minds. It continues to be some of the most important questions that all of us seek answers for. When is he coming? When is this world coming to an end? And it's not going to be because of global climate change or whatever. Right. Amen. I was going to bring something here and I didn't because it didn't really connect, but I guess it does because I'm going to say it. But uh, this, this Greta Thunberg, is that her name? This Greta, this poor, deceived, confused, stupid girl that uh, she's, she's being used all over the country by these right. environmentalists. Well, back Oh, some time ago, she put a Twitter. She put on Twitter, and I wish I had brought it now so I could read it to you, but what she was warning by, by 2023, if we didn't do certain things, that was going to be the end of it. Wow. Mama, what a false prophet, prophetess. Well, why they put it was well, whoever wrote it, and I saw it somewhere is that she went back to her Twitter and deleted it. Well, so I guess she wasn't as stupid as I thought she was. But how many have predicted? We're not predictors. We're expectors. <laughs> we're expecting it to happen. Amen. I believe it could happen before I get home tonight. 
and I live closer than any of you to church. But I believe it could happen. The Lord's coming. The Lord's coming. The Lord's coming. And I don't want to be left behind. Every writer of the New Testament spoke about the Lord's coming back. Almost every book in the New Testament mentions his coming, except possibly Philemon, 2nd and 3rd John. But all the others mention somehow, some way, he's coming back. He's coming back. It's interesting me, and I'm one of those that kind of study about things like that, or try to. The Lord has dealt with mankind through the years by different means and different uh, periods of time. Some call it ages. Some call it dispensations. I think dispensation sounds better to me. But anyway, the first dispensation was that which was called innocence when they were in the garden. We have no way of knowing whatsoever how long Adam and his wife lived in that garden before they got put out. They could have been in there a long time because age wasn't counting. They had a tree of life they could eat of every day or whatever and would prolong their life, keep them alive. It's that other tree they got in trouble with. But anyway, we have no way of knowing. We do know that Adam named every one of those animals. <laughs> Can you imagine how long that took? But anyway, we don't know how long innocence lasted, but when it lasted, they were put out of the garden and then began the conscience dispensation or whatever, uh, if you will, when man was put out of the garden, left to himself, his conscience was supposed to lead him to living for God, but uh, you know it didn't. But it lasted 1,600 plus years. Somebody said 1,656 years to the flood. That's how long that period of time lasted. And God saw the world had become so filled with ungodliness as we read the passage in Matthew, Mark, about uh, marrying and giving in marriage and whatever. But anyway, that dispensation ended with the flood and then became the dispensation was called human government. Man was sent out to govern and direct, do what God told him to do, which they didn't do. Nimrod was probably the leader of that. They led him to the plains of Dur and started building that big old uh, building, Babel, the tower that reached to heaven. That took about 400 plus years, 450 or something like that. And you know what happened there? God destroyed or confused their languages, and that stopped. And then God chose a man by the name of Abram, which he called out of Ur the Chaldees, and thus began that next dispensation called the promise, because God gave Abraham a promise. Now we got somebody that God was talking to personally and to their family and the, his progeny and whatever. That lasted about 430 years and to the time of, of Sinai, the giving of the law, and the law period dispensation lasted about 1,500 years to the time of the Lord's coming and the law was fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Amen. And we know that when that law dispensation lasted till then in Calvary and then a new dispensation began, began with Pentecost, began with people speaking in tongues, people being baptized in Jesus' name. And that's been called the dispensation of grace. It's been called dispensation of the church. 
whatever. But this dispensation has been going now for almost 2,000 years. It certainly would be appropriate name to call it the dispensation of grace because this is a grace period. God's still waiting for some more souls to get out of the kingdom. But one of these days... This door is going to close. The Lord's going to come. The trumpet's going to sound, and we're going out of here. So we've been around for 2,000 years or something like that. The events that are transpiring in our day and our age and time are speaking very clear to us. If we've got ears to see and hear, ears to hear and eyes to see, that we must be getting close to the end of this time period almost 2,000 years, longer than any other dispensation. This has got to be the last of the last days, according to me at least. So anyway, no previous generation has witnessed what we are witnessing today. In some areas, the troubles that are taking place, the changes that are taking place, and we spoke or mentioned sometime the last speech, I guess it was, when I talked about cash is going to become obsolete that cash you call greenbacks, it's going to be up, become obsolete. Uh, that's going to take place. And already, already there are those that are receiving a chip in their hand, in their wrist or whatever, in which it acts like a debit card. Just swipe over uh, the terminal, whatever, and pay for their goods. There have been three banks that have closed this year already. And I don't think that's an accident. The policies that are being brought into force today and will be brought into force in the very near future will bring us to a digital monetary system. Our money as we know it will be a thing of the past. The time will come when government is going to take over bank accounts. You think you got the money? All it is, it's digitized. It's in their computer system. And also, you stop and think about our country, the good old U.S. of A, is over $31 trillion in debt. That's, that's beyond my country boy mind to grasp. That's 31 followed by 12 zeros. $31 trillion. trillion. It's not a thousand, it's not a million, it's not a billion, it's a trillion. I guess the next time it's going to be zillion, I don't know. But anyway, uh, let, me, let me share with you something that I don't know right now where I got it, but let me read it to you, whoever wrote it. Most of the world's economies, including the United States, are rapidly ramping up to digitize their currency and ultimately end paper cash by creating a central bank digital currency, CBDC for short. Part of the great reset agenda is to eliminate or reduce, reduce untraceable and untaxable cash and crypto transactions, clear the way to establish national government controlled digital currency. The agenda is to get CBDC in every country, get people used to it, and then connect those digital systems into a, a one-world digitized payment system. Does this sound too far-fetched? 
Consider that the United States Federal Reserve's Board of Governors have already issued a white paper titled Money and Payments. The U.S. dollar in the age of digital uh, transformation as a first step in exploring the creation of CBDC. Make no mistake, a centralized digital currency is coming. In fact, President Biden has already, he's liable to do anything. President Biden has already sounded what may, many consider to be the paper dollar's death knell when he signed Executive Order 14067, which calls for the implementation of a United States central bank digital currency. While that may sound benign at first, a centralized digital currency has the potential to allow the federal government to legally surveil all U.S. citizens, control all bank accounts and purchases, crush free, uh, crush free speech, and silence opposing voices by cutting off access to their digital money. As an article in Wired magazine explained, digital currency issued by a central bank can be used as a tool for government and surveillance of citizens and control over their financial transactions. So what I'm saying is we're getting closer. Amen. We're getting closer. We're getting closer. Something has got to happen to our monetary system because governments and powers that have driven us to the place to where a change has got to take place. The change which will take place will replace proper paper money, come under the net control of the national banking system. And I, I, I start to say, let me warn you, maybe I shouldn't call it as a warning, but that, that paper money you got in coffee cans, beard in your backyard, it won't be worth trash. Mercy. Or that money you got <laughs> squirreled away in your mattress, it won't be worth trash. It will be of no value. So go out and spend it. <laughs> While you can still spend it. Because the time is coming when you won't be able to spend it. Because it will be of no value. I remember many moons ago as well, back in World War II. Yeah, I was around back then. I can remember reading about the, the currency of, of the Germans became so worthless, so worthless, that people were papering their walls with the currency because it was of no value. I remember going to Argentina and, and having a meal with Brother Smith and Brother uh, Benavides and uh, our meal, we had, boy, it was steak and everything. I think it cost us $2 million. The way they made things work, they just added some zeros to their, their, their money. They just, it became so, so useless, so useless. So anyway, we've already got a taste of the power of big government because uh, because of a supposed threat of a virus. I'm calling it that. Uh, business was shut down. We were forced to change our lifestyle. We're wearing masks. We had to wear a mask. If you're going to travel, and I remember sitting on a plane and I was about half asleep and the waitress come by to 
check on some food or something. And, and I pulled my mask down so I could talk. And she said, put that mask back up. So I put it back up. <laughs> but but that, was, that was part of our life. Our churches were shut down. Pastors and, and people were arrested because they wouldn't go along with the government. So this happened because of what they called a virus whether it come from China or wherever, Wuhan or wherever. The, the waters have been tried by big government and they have seen that we will bow to their demands. The monetary crisis that's affecting the world will be another step in that direction of control over our lifestyle. Let me read for you this lengthy passage here in Revelation 13, the familiar one, beginning with verse 14. It's speaking about the, the false prophet as well as the man of sin, the false prophet, and he is his spokesman, if you will. And anyway, he says, And deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles which he had the power to do in the sight of the beasts, saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast which had the wound by a sword and did live. He had power to give life unto the image of the beast that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. He causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads, and that no man might buy or sell, save he that had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. And we think an image that can talk, <laughs> we already have them. We already have them. They're working on what's called AI, artificial intelligence, that's taking, taking preeminent prominence in some places. Anyway, what makes all of this that much more serious to me is that what John writes about is speaking of the conditions that are going to take place in the, in the last days in that tribulation period, which is destined to come to this world. It's not will it or might it, it will. It will. It's going to be a fulfillment of Daniel's 70th week, as it's called, uh, bringing to an end the prophecy that was given to Daniel uh, in chapter 9 of his book, what had been pronounced upon his people and his city. The angel Gabriel spoke about 70 weeks, which is 490 years in, in uh, scriptures. And he spoke to Daniel, it was about his people, which is the Jews. It's about his city, which is Jerusalem. And what they would have to go through, bring them back into fellowship with the Lord. And all of this is going to be fulfilled. All of this, God keeps his word. Except the last seven years, will be the darkest of all. The 483 years have already expired. It did so with the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, or his coming at least. And so there remains hanging out there, as it were, seven years, which is, again, the reason it's called Daniel's 70th week to bring it in. Listen to Ezekiel chapter 20 and verse 37, speaking about these things concerning Israel. God said, I will cause you, that's Israel, the Jews, I will cause you to pass under the rod and will bring you into the bond of the covenant. Israel has got to go because God's hand has been upon the Jews since he called Abraham from Ur and he hasn't forgotten them. 
He hasn't forgotten. Listen to what Zechariah says in chapter 13 uh, in, in verse 9, where the Lord there says, I will bring the third part through the fire, speaking of the Jews, and will refine them as silver is refined and will try them as gold is tried. They shall call on my name and I will hear them. I will say it is my people and they shall say the Lord is my God. And one place the Bible speaks about how in that day, the Jews, the remnant that will come through the tribulation and be saved by the mercies of God, they're going to look upon Jesus and they're going to ask him, where did you get those scars? Where did you get those scars? And that one of the sad things about it is the response, the reply that Jesus gives is in the house of my friends. In the house of my friends. The ones whom he, was call, whom he called, again, from the very beginning, whose, he placed his hand upon them. They have been so rebellious. If you read something, and I'm working on it now in, in, in my studies or whatever, but Israel became so dirty, so repulsive, so idolatrous, so ungodlike, and no wonder they were sent to Babylonian captivity. And no wonder they were scattered when they said, Crucify him. Let his blood be on our hands and on the hands of our children. No wonder God said, all right, and he cut them off. He said, in fact, in the book of Matthew, I think it's 21, I'm not for sure, but he said he would, the kingdom would be taken from them because they had rejected the builder, the stone, the cornerstone. They had rejected him, and he said, the kingdom is going to be taken to you and given to a people that will Accept him. That's why we're here tonight on the corner of Central and M Streets because of mercies, because of grace, because of love. We don't belong here. We're not a descendant of Abraham. We're not a, par a part of his progeny. No, sir. We're not that. We're strangers, if you will, foreigners. Paul said in, in Ephesians 3 and 12, that we were foreigners, we were outcasts, we had no hope in this world. But then he went on to say in verse 13 about the blood, that's what's brought us here. Mercy, that's what, is, what we have brought. In, in, in the book of Romans 11, Paul speaks about how the Jew, like the, the tree that, that has been the reference to the people of Israel, the Jews, through the years, the fig tree and whatever. And God said, Paul said that that Jew has been cut off and we have grafted, been grafted in. The natural branch, Paul said, was cut off and the wild branch, that's us, that's the Gentiles, were grafted into their place. But Paul warns us, God is, if they don't abide still in unbelief, God is able to graft them back in and that's what's going to take place tomorrow that's what's going to take place in that day and dark day of tribulation that's going to come upon the world but anyway there in, in Zechariah 13 and 9 they will say it is my he will say it is my people and they shall say the Lord is my God Amen. Paul spoke in Romans 11. Let me read a passage there in verse 25. 
For I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery, lest ye should be wise in your own conceits, that bindness in part is happened to uh, Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. Two things, or maybe I could say three, but two things especially are emphasized in my mind here, and that is the fact that the blindness, Paul said, is in part. It's not permanent. It's in part. It's been almost 2,000 years now, but it's getting ready. They're going to get the scales off of their eyes, and they're going to see, as again Ezekiel says, that they shall say, the Lord is my God. And the second point that point emphasized to me is emphasized in this passage is where Paul said, until the fullness of the Gentiles, until the fullness, which is indicative of the fact it's going to be full. It's going to fill up. The church is going to be full after a while. One of these days, someone, somewhere, is going to be baptized in that wonderful name of Jesus Christ, and they begin to speak in tongues, another language. And I'm just using my imagination. I'm going to say, God's going to turn to those angels and say, let's go get my bride. That's the last one. That's the last one. That's the last one. That's the fullness. That's the last Gentile. That's the fullness. I know they don't belong here, but I put them here because of love. I put them here because my people rejected me. I'm so grateful for love. I'm so grateful for mercy. In verse 26, Paul said, and so all, listen to this verse. This is awesome. So all Israel shall be saved. As it is written, there shall come out of Zion the deliverer and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. Now, I know in the Old Testament, we read about Zion. It's a reference to Jerusalem. It's a reference to the city of Zion or David's city. But here in the New Testament, when, it, when I read this Zion, when it come out of Zion, I want to think it's the church, that there shall come out of the church, there will come out of Zion the deliverer, because when the darkest day upon the people of Israel will come upon them and it looks like all hope is gone and every one of them is going to be annihilated, something's going to happen, the heavens are going to roll back and the sound's going to come from glory and God's going to descend, <laughs> riding a white horse with crowns on his head and a sword issuing from his mouth, amen. You've treated my people Israel long enough. You've tried to destroy them. Others have tried it, but they failed. Oh, Hitler couldn't do it. And beast, you can't do it because I still got my hand on them. Amen. Amen. All Israel shall be saved. Notice verse 27, the, the reason he said this. For this is my covenant unto them when I shall take away their sin. <laughs> Hallelujah. 
Jehovah made a covenant with Abraham, father of the Jews, that will be fulfilled. And it will be fulfilled during the tribulation period. They've got to go through the tribulation. There's got to be a cleansing taking place. Before Israel had an atonement, they had to, they had to sanctify themselves. They had to cleanse themselves. They had to bring troubles to themselves, if you will, squeeze themselves through. To, be, to reach the point of atonement. It's the tribulation period that will cleanse them of their sins and their eyes will be opened that Jesus Christ is their Messiah. Amen. Now, it's not going to happen. I know it says all Israel shall be saved, but it's kind of like back there in the book of Matthew chapter 3 concerning John baptizing. All of Jerusalem and Judea came out to be baptized. And John baptized. No, he didn't. It's just an expression, not all in the sense of everybody, but a representative of all in that area. So all the Jews are not going to be saved, but it's going to be a remnant that's going to come out of that group of people. Mm, let me hurry on here. Amen. In verse 28, as concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sakes. Whose sake? My sake. Your sake. Medor's sake. We're here because they said no to Jesus. And I guess I can put it, kind of put it that way. They are enemies for your sakes, but it's touching the election. Notice this. It's touching the election. They are beloved for the Father's sake. God's still in love with them, even in their terrible conditions. Their eyes are blinded to the gospel message. They are enemies of the New Testament. But in the eyes of Jehovah God, they are beloved. And the promise made to Abraham and then reconfirmed with Isaac and reconfirmed again with Jacob is going to be fulfilled. Yes, sir. Just like he gave us in his word, he's coming back, it's going to happen. Amen. Just like he said that this rapture is going to take place, it's going to happen. Amen. Just as it says that we're going to be redeemed, it's going to happen. Just as he said a trumpet's going to sound and call us up, it's going to happen. And in that same way, he's going to lay his hand on that people Israel one more time, it's going to happen. They're going to be saved, it's going to happen. It's going to happen because it's in his word right here. And God keeps his word. In verse 29, listen to this. This is an awesome verse. Listen to this, verse 29 of that Romans chapter 11. For the gifts, now he'd just been talking about it, the Jews. They'd gotten in trouble. They got cut off. But God had given a promise to Abraham. They're going to be saved. They're still going to come forth. I don't know where the 10 tribes are. God knows. God knows. In fact, they're going to be a part of that great, beautiful city. Amen. But anyway, the Bible says the gifts and the calling of God are without repentance. God's not going to change his mind. He made a covenant with Abraham. It's going to be kept. It's going to be kept. Thank God for his promises, his assurance. The movement that's taking place in the Middle East is telling us we're getting close to the home going. We're getting close to the end. It's said that I heard recently somewhere, or saw, I guess I think I heard, but said that somebody said, some Jew, I think it was, that said 
that there, this year there will be more Jews moved to Israel than there ever has been in a year's time. It will be a record. And the, the reason I mention that is the fact they're going home. That's home to them. New York's not home. Medor's not home. Israel is home. Jerusalem is their capital, and they're going home. The world condition that's taking place are threatening World War III, the falling away of religious systems. And Paul said in the last days before it comes, there's going to be a great falling away. The church is not, but the religious system is, and the world is. Society is, and it shall, the chaos, the ungodliness of society, it's worse than it ever has been. I, 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 up until the last few years, I could not imagine what's happening now. It is sickening, repulsive to the sane mind. The introduction of the identification system is a reality now. The power to control society is now in a force, in, 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 in a, re, a reality. The plans for, and we'll ch change it a little bit, the plans and actions for building a new temple in Israel is happening now. They have red heifers. They got them there now that they need for sanctification. Listen to what Jesus, or what John wrote, I guess you'd say, in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 11. Behold, the Lord says, I come quickly. Hold, hold that fast which thou hast, that no man take thy crown. Devil, you can't have my place. No, no. Devil, you can't have my seat at the marriage table. Marriage supper. No, sir. I've been on this journey too long to turn it back now. I'm getting too close to home to even give it thought. <laughs> Amen. Hold fast. Hold fast. Stay in church. 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 Don't let the devil trick you. Don't listen to his garbage. Don't listen to his foolishness. Don't allow yourself to be pulled away. Hold on. Hold on. My question, are you ready? Are you ready for the trumpet to sound? Are you ready to back up and start all over because y'all didn't hear what I said? Amen. Amen. Listen to what Paul said in Romans chapter 13. Are you ready? Are you ready? You ready for the trumpet to sound? You ready to go home? You ready to go up in the rapture? Paul said in Romans 13, 11, knowing the time, then it's high time that we awake out of our sleep for our salvation. Woo! Our salvation is nearer than we believe. Thank God we're getting closer, so folks. 
MPC, brothers and sisters of mine, we're almost home. Are you ready? It's almost moving time. Are you ready to say goodbye to this old world and the chaos of this world? To toss aside this old flesh and rise to meet the Lord in the air. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are yes, you sir. ready? Thank you for listening to the MPC podcast. We trust that today's message has inspired you, encouraged you, and strengthened you in the Lord. We would like to invite you to join us again by simply subscribing to our podcast, and we encourage you to write a review if it has been a blessing to you. Again, you can find us at medorachurch.com to learn more about our ministry.